It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. While you're there, go check out our pin post on X and go check out some of the descri- links that we have in the description of these shows, whether you're on the listening platforms or you are on YouTube. We've got year six of Rocket Around the 412. The GoFundMe link is down there. Over the past five years, we've been able to raise over twenty or $25,000 to be able to provide children Christmas in our local 724 and 412 area codes. So me and I never had to worry about where Christmas and those type, that type, types of gifts were coming from going up. So we'll be able to give back and try to provide those children that type of Christmas as well. As, as well as last year, we were able to partner with the East Rochester Salvation Army and adopt kids off of their angel tree. So if you want to read about that mission, go check out the link in that description, as well as check out our other link. We've got our friend Haley Wagner, small business, everything custom designs. She can get you some customized clothing. Holidays are coming up. If you're like Smitty, you can get some customized pajamas for Thanksgiving. If you're like me, you get some customized pajamas for, for Christmas, as well as you can get a customized kitchen apron or maybe a customized Santa hat or a stocking. You know what you can't get? A hat that's on Smitty's head right now. A normal ball cap? Absolutely not. But she can hook you up with so much other stuff. So if you want to go check that out, she's got an Etsy link and a Facebook link. Help support a small business in the local Beaver County area. And she won Best in the Valley for a new small business, right? As she of did. like a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, congrats. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Haley, by the way. Just shout out to her for, for winning that. Well deserved. But yeah, go check that out. Got a couple links down there. I was looking to see if I have uh, an applause thing. Uh, sorry, I don't have an applause uh, s- sound on here. Dang it! No, but we have oh, the well. island boys. If you want that, <laughs> no, I don't. I think we're good <laughs> on that one. Um, but okay, let's dive into some puck talk. Over the last two games, hey, I, I don't have many complaints here. You know, we've been complaining a lot about the Penguins through these first few episodes. They've outscored their opponents twelve to two over the last two hockey games. Um, greatly boosted by the fact that they were able to put up ten against the San Jose Sharks, who had given up 10 goals in back-to-back games. But yeah. they got to throw BYU, this in there. By the way. They just... Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. I got to throw this in there. The San Jose Sharks did just beat the Philadelphia Flyers. So, oh, shout hey. out to them getting their first win. Congratulations. Again, again insert Pull out the, the applause. I mean, what, so no, <laughs> now what? They're 1-11? They're and, uh, and 1. Yes, also. One, oh, uh, they tied. They have uh or they, they lost in overtime. There's no ties. It was their first game of the season. They did that. And then they lost every game up until their last Man. one in re- in regulation. Man, so, that, that is uh that sucks. Yeah. But so let's that talk just, about this. That just goes to show for yeah, we can talk about the game. I just want to say before that, that just goes to yeah. show like no matter how bad we think it is, Penguin fans, Ooh. it can always be worse. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really hope that even once we're past this competitive window and we know the Penguins um, are going to have a rebuilding phase that could take some time and they're not going to be a very good team for a while, likely, while Dubas is trying to build this back up, I really hope it never gets to the level that we're seeing right now with San Jose because I don't know how anybody watches that. I don't know why anybody's going to those games. Again, 10 goals given up back-to-back games to the Canucks and Penguins. And here's the thing about that game. The Penguins had less than four expected goals in that game and they scored 10. I mean, I, especially in the first like period and a half of that game, I didn't feel like the Penguins were playing all that well. They scored, you know, Riley Smith scores a couple early one on the power play. Um, 
who's been, by the way, awesome addition. I don't think you could ask for anything more than what Riley Smith has provided this team right now. Um, but other than that, like I didn't, I wasn't sitting there thinking like, oh, the Penguins are dominating this game. Like this is how it should look. They obviously kind of got into it the second half of this game. But I really, really think, and I can't stress this enough. I'm not saying the Penguins, you know, the Penguins were very advantageous. Sure, I don't think it was as much about what the Penguins were doing as it is just man, the San Jose team is maybe historically bad. They're buns. I mean, to put to put it in the the best way I could, they absolutely stink. The fact that the Penguins, who are, let, let's just face it, as of right now and then what we've seen this season, pretty mediocre program. I, I think that what you saw on Saturday wasn't as much what the Penguins were doing. It's just how bad the San Jose Sharks are. Like you said, expected four goals scored, and they put up yep. 10. That is ridiculous that that's the case. And like I said, that night, I went to a college football game in Morgantown where my team put up seven points and the Penguins put up ten. That's that that's that's just historically bad for the San Jose Sharks. But I'm not gonna take away all the credit from the Penguins. I mean no, no, no. I I it, I will say it was nice to see some offense. And not only was it nice to see some offense, it was nice to see some different guys on the score sheet, other other mm-hmm. than the the regular folks that we've been seeing so far this season. So that was one yep. thing that in that, especially in that San Jose game, but also, I mean, in, in the ducks game as well as redeems the Horna opens up the scoring for the penguins too, to, to be able to see in these past couple games, some, some other guys chipping into the offense and, and driving play. I think that that's great. That's something that we've really harped on to the start of this season, especially in that bottom six that we haven't seen enough offense. We haven't seen enough scoring, from those guys in the past couple of games, you, you've gotten some points, you've gotten some assists. I I I, I think, and you got a couple goals. I mean, Matt Nieto had a goal, redeems a Horner got a goal. Vinny Henestrosa, who's been taking yep. place for Jeff Carter, he had a goal as well. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that you're seeing those guys contribute in these games, no matter how bad the opponent is, and and granted, the Ducks have have been playing some good hockey as of late, so that was a good win. But even in yeah. the San Jose game, regardless of how bad the opponent is, I think just to get those guys their get their feet wet, even in in a sense to to the score sheet that could go well moving forward and could get some some positive momentum for guys like that. I think they took advantage of what it was. It was a get right spot for this team. You know, to your point, like for these guys, for Matt Nieto who scored a goal in that game, for Vinny Hinostraza who scored in that game, everybody got a point besides the third line and. Uh, Ryan Graves and Ryan Shea. Everybody had a, wow. at least one point besides that. So in a game like that, where, you know, the wealth is just spread around the way that it was three guys scored two goals. Um, Who's the one I'm leaving out? Oh, Brian Rust had one and Latang had one. Latang's goal was sick, by the way, that pass from Sid. I mean, that was insane. Anyways. um, Yeah. I feel like they used that opportunity for what it was. It was a get right spot for this team. And they carry that over and play a really good defensive game against the Ducks. Uh, and, and probably could have had more offensively. I don't necessarily think they played bad offensively. John Gibson was just that good to keep them in the game. Um, I want to talk about Jari, obviously, who left that game. But I wanted to bring up first and foremost, you mentioned Vinahina Straza getting in the lineup for Jeff Carter. We've been calling for some type of change within that fourth line. We get it. And, you know, immediately, I'm not saying it's, it was all on Jeff Carter or anything like that. But immediately he exits the lineup, somebody else comes in, and you can visibly see that they got more juice down there. I think we were already seeing it with a third line. 
I think they've been pretty solid since they brought up Redeem Zahorna and put him with O'Connor and mm -hmm. Lars Eller. Um, but that fourth line has gotten to at least the point where they're not always being caved in. Like they're transitioning the puck up the ice. They're spending some time in the offensive zone and they're, they've, you know, gotten two goals so far and almost had a, an empty netter third, but Gensel was off sides on the Nolachari empty netter. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm not saying that one switch is all the difference, but it's something that we've been calling for. And it's nice to see that just that one change has at least in a short term capacity given some juice to the bottom six. Are we surprised? Is, is anybody surprised? I'm not saying that <laughs> Vinny Henestroza is the one that was sure, going to be yeah. the savior of that line, but are we mm -hmm. surprised that a line looks completely different when Jeff Carter's removed? I, I, I'm I, not. I, I, no. I so here's the thing that, I, that I'll say is while calling for Carter to come out of the lineup, I was kind of also doing the same with Matt Nieto, but as soon as Hina Straza gets in there, I feel like Nieto's looked more like, you know, a serviceable bottom six player that we thought Nieto he was coming in. So, yeah. So one game without Carter and he scores. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, I'm not surprised necessarily, but I am surprised at how drastic it looks. Like, I'm not surprised that they look better, but I'm surprised that it's this much better. I, and maybe so that far. just goes Again, with two games. Yeah, I mean, it's two games, and I'm not saying that the bottom six is fixed, but I feel like this was still, regardless of who was going to be replacing him in the guys that were available, was a change that needed to happen. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the Jeff Carter is not the same player. He's 39 years old. He doesn't have the legs anymore. And at least for when they were playing him, they were playing him on the wing and not at center. So that's one yeah. positive you could say, at least from a coaching staff perspective, that, that they made a change this season. But still, mm -hmm. you could definitely see that whenever his line is on the ice, whenever he's on the ice, he, they're getting driven into their own zone and, and they can't escape it. And they're not producing anything offensively. They're, they're, they're just doing out, going out there and doing pretty much nothing except getting hemmed into their own zone. So I, I think that no matter who you would have replaced it with, and it happens to be Henestroza, I, I think that you would have seen an not necessarily a huge impact, but a huge change right away, just because I feel like the, that every other player that it could have brought in was different than Jeff Carter, not just like age-wise, but like how much energy they can bring to the play. Whether that play is going to be good or bad or not, that's that's different to be said. But I think the energy that they can bring is something that was going to be different no matter who the player was that they actually brought in. And I will say, I got to shout out Jeff Carter that he seems to be yeah. taking this in stride. Like he's he's going mm -hmm. to support the team no matter what, and, and he's not going to try to be bitter or anything about this. He's going to support the team any way he can and try to make his guys still better, even though he's going to be a healthy scratch. So I got to say hats off to him for having that attitude because not every player is, would have that attitude in a situation like that. Um, but he is, so kudos to him. But I still think that regardless of whether it was Hinestroza or any of the other guys, because there's a plethora of them, whether it's the guys sitting up in the press box or the guys that were down in Wilkes-Barre that you could have replaced him with. And I still think there's guys that you can replace. Like you mentioned, Matt Nieto, his play got better. But it's only a two-game sample size, so we'll see how this play continues to evolve over these next few games and these next these next couple of weeks. But if, if things don't change um, and they, they kind of get stagnant again, 
we still have several guys that you could bring up and swap players out with. So I think that's something. It's not Andreas Janssen. It's not Andreas Janssen, but it's it's (laughs) it's something that you can swap out players with. And I think that's something that makes it not necessarily comfortable because obviously you wouldn't want to have to be in that position where you have to switch out those players. But it is at least a little bit comfortable knowing that you have options at least to switch out these guys for instead of being stuck with the lineup you have. Also something I noticed, um, and shout out to Jack Hahn, who Jesse Marshall quoted him, so that's why I was able to see this video. But it's definitely noticeable when you're actually paying attention. Uh, it looks like, and we'll see if this continues, but the Penguins have kind of switched up their forecheck as of late. Maybe they've gotten hip to the idea that, okay, we don't have the personnel to be as aggressive on the forecheck as we once were able to do. So what we've seen is kind of like a more measured look where they got four skaters above the puck in the neutral zone. And like the second four checkers kind of like swapping as opposed to overstaying his welcome, skating himself out of the play. What you've seen a lot is kind of one four checker up kind of pressuring the puck and everybody else kind of playing the waiting game and just defending. And that's probably the right approach to take. Now, typically you're not going to hear me advocate for being less aggressive, but I think when you take a look at what the Penguins have on their roster right now, this is probably the style of hockey that they're going to have to play. And again, small sample size, maybe not against the greatest competition, but they did a similar thing against Colorado recently too in that one win where they were playing in a pretty bad stretch of hockey. The one win they did have was when they defended Colorado this way, realizing, okay, this is way too fast of a team. We're not going to keep up with them. We can't be super aggressive or we're going to get burnt. I think this is probably the right approach for the Penguins. I'm encouraged by this. We'll see if they continue to do it going forward. Well, I think over, again, a small sample size, but I have to give my flowers to to Mike Sullivan because that's another thing that we had discussed on the show is like whether the Penguins and specifically Mike Sullivan can adapt to having a team that isn't built for speed, at least not anymore, that isn't going to be able to build into what his system should be played like and, and what they had played like for several seasons, what they won two cups based off of. We had discussed mm-hmm. that. The, the Penguins just weren't those teams anymore. They don't they don't have the legs. They don't have the horses to be able to run that, that style of play like you see in a Carolina or a Colorado. And, and so we were questioning whether Mike Sullivan would be able to adjust his team. And so to be able to noticeably have a difference in how you're forechecking, how, how you, were, you were entering the zone and how you're defending that offensive zone, I, I think that that is something that I have to – to give credit to Mike Sullivan for. Um, I don't think that the team is just naturally going to do that. That's something that's going to be instilled with them from the head coach, something that he's going to notice. And I think that's him being aware that we don't have the the same guys I had eight years ago. We don't have the same team I had eight years ago, and it's time to basically adapt or die. And that's something that we had talked about with Mike, Mike Sullivan with his tenure. Is like if he can't adapt, then he needs to be he needs to eventually be removed as a head coach. I, I think that this is something that is good in, in the sense of him knowing how to adapt his team and how to win some of these games. Now, we will see if it stays the same over a long period of time and, and, and if it if it continues to be this way in these games and has this impact. But I think the fact that he's taking a more defensive mindset into some of his forechecking and, and into, into that like center ice scheme I think that that's something that is going to help improve this team because they're more so built to do that now than they ever have been. 
Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to touch on was uh, in net Tristan Jari exiting this game against Anaheim due to injury late in the second period. So Magnus Helberg comes in is able to hold the fourth down for the rest of this one. But uh, Jari had looked pretty good up to that point in this game. Um, I'm not sure that Magnus Helberg is really a guy that you want to hang your hat on being the number one goaltender for any period of time. Um, based off what we're hearing with Jari, kind of day to day, don't know the extent of the injury. It definitely drew some blood, but I don't know if that's necessarily the issue or if they're looking at him for like a concussion or a neck strain or something. I mean, it's hard yeah. to tell with the way that Adam Henry kind of skates by him and hits him in the side of the helmet going past. You never really know what that's going to be. Um, obviously, hope it's a shorter term thing than a longer term thing. Again, I give all the credit in the world to what Hellberg was able to come in and do in a short period of time there. I I wouldn't expect that he's going to be able to hold up those types of results uh, for any stretch of time. So, um, yeah, I don't I, I I really don't know what to make of this just because we don't even know what the injury is. But um, another another injury for, for Tristan Jari. And we'll see how quickly he can come back from this one. Yeah, I, I think that what makes it worse about the injury for Jari is, is like it's not even just that he got hit in the head. It's that after his his mask gets loosened up a little bit, the puck gets shot right at his face. And and so that definitely didn't help matters whatsoever. Um, hopefully it is a relatively quick injury or, or quick recovery, excuse me, because the Penguins are going to need him um, to, to be their number one goaltender. But it's just it, that, that's such a weird injury to happen. Um, and it's something that like happens, I feel like, pretty frequently in hockey, at least overall, is that like pe- the goaltenders will get hit in the head from time to time from passing by skaters. But it's still like never sure like what kind of injury it actually is. And especially in this scenario where the puck did get shot at him after um, – which like not not like intentionally like dirty or anything like I feel like the people might listen to that that didn't actually see the injury and say like they like shot it at his head like no the the mass was just kind of being like dislodged a little bit and the puck just happened to hit him but yeah wish all the best for Jari and hope for a speedy recovery um no idea what like the actual timetable could be I mean as of this recording this I mean who knows they're saying, they're saying day to day. he might he might play today as of as of when this comes <laughs> yeah, out yeah, so yeah today come on Smitty um. But yeah, yeah, you know, but I, I, I think that the Penguins are going to need him and it's, it's just unfortunate, but also Helberg good for him. For, he, he came in in a pinch and was able to close out that game too. So obviously not a guy you want as your number one for an extended period of time, but he could play a little bit too. So there you go. Yeah. You know, I don't think that it helps either that Jari goes down and we're already missing Alex the Delta Vic too. Like yeah. <laughs> who's on long-term. IR. So who knows how long we're looking at there before he's able to get back into the fold. But yeah, Helberg's been a guy that's been around big, big dude. I mean, if you're, if you are the type that prefers your goalies to just be able to take up a lot of space due to their size, maybe not the most athletic guy, but just eats up a ton of space just naturally because of how big he is. Uh, this is probably your type of goaltender, but yeah, he's been around the block, played for a lot of teams, good amount of experience. Again, in a pinch, I think you can trust him. But I don't feel like super great about the fact, oh, yeah, number one goalie, Magnus Helberg in that tonight. You know, like if he's going to have to have a stretch where he starts like, I don't know, four or five straight. Don't love it. I don't love it, especially when obviously these past two games have been good and the Penguins have, have looked pretty, pretty decent. But imagine if the team doesn't look good in front of Helberg and what, what those games could look like. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a good point, too, is maybe, you know, we've seen it somewhat in the past. Maybe they just play a more tight game with their bat, like realizing they can't take those types of chances. And maybe this is part of like the the four check, too. Maybe it all ties in together. But realizing they don't have maybe somebody that is their their number one behind them, because I feel like in past years, at least this has been the opinion of my dad and he pointed it out to me. So I'll give them a little bit of shout out on here and bring it up. It just seems like the penguins play better in front of their backup goalie, whether that is like a a subconscious thing. Maybe it's not even actually the case, but it just seems like they play a tighter game when their number one goalie hasn't been in net. And I don't know if that's due to them just realizing they don't have that safety valve back there or what it is. But if Magnus Helberg is the guy for any stretch of time here, you, you wonder, will we see them play a different game of hockey in front of them? Maybe for the first few games, but if it's an extended period of time and they just get used to him being the number one goaltender, then they get comfortable. Again. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, anything else that's caught your eye with this team over the last couple of games? Uh, we're still waiting on Ricard Raquel to get one, but you know, yeah, the thing that's... is like, it's, it's, it's hard for me to like hop off, you know, like first off, I, I will switch my my mind here. I don't think that he's going to lead the team in goals at this point. Um, like I said, it was going to happen. I mean, if, if he does, that's going to be a heck of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not overly concerned about it. And the reason being, like, he's still getting chances. Like, if he were just totally unnoticeable on the ice and you're constantly like, where's Ricard Raquel? Why isn't he generating anything? I'd probably be worried. But, I mean, you look at last night's game in particular. What do you have, like, five, six shots on goal? Like, and a lot of them really good looks. Like, I don't know. I'm just – I'm not worried about about him yet. I want to know what his individual PDO is. Mm. I'm just I'm just going to look it up really curious, real quick. Yeah. Um, it's at a 97.9. So, it is below league average. Yeah, so he's, not as he's, much as I expected, though. Not as much as I expected, but it is below league, below league average. Anybody that doesn't know what PDO is, it's basically the stat that tells you how lucky you are. I know that probably sounds like a dumb stat, but there's something to it. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, how many games they got for next time we talk? I know they play, obviously, Thursday night when people are either watching or listening to this. They'll play tonight. 10.30 p.m. puck drop for us folks on the East Coast in L.A. Um, so, so we have obviously the LA game on Thursday and then they play Buffalo on Saturday. Then they play the at Columbus on Tuesday, the 14th. So we will have three games between now and the next time we record, which I hope is like the more norm, like that we, yeah. we start to get like three to four games in between each of our recordings. Cause I hate these stretches where we only get like two games. Yeah, it's, I, I hate it. I mean, I, I don't know what is up with the schedule here in the early part of the season, but the Penguins have only played, what, 11 in total so far? Yeah. Like, really weird the way that the schedule's been set up. But, yeah, hopefully we get back into the ebbs and flows of this thing and more consistent basis like every other night like we're accustomed to during the NHL season. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that'll do it 
Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Around the 412 Penguin Show. As Tyler mentioned at the beginning, check out the description where we have year six of Rocking Around the 412, all the information for that. Over the first five years, we've raised over $25,000, so we're back for year six, hoping to make it the best year yet. Every single penny that is donated goes directly to helping provide Christmas to kids in the 724 and 412 areas. That is individual families as well as last year and going forward, we're going to continue to partner up with East Rochester Salvation Army, their angel tree that they do every year at Christmas. Last year when we lost our friend Dalton Keenan and reached out to his girlfriend uh, Kaylee for their daughter Isla to provide Christmas for her, she said that she would rather have us adopt some kids from the Salvation Army's angel tree in the name of Dalton. And we want to be able to continue to do that going forward. Super special to us, super special to our hearts. And uh, yeah, just really excited that that's going to be a part of the mission going forward. Really excited that those two are going to be so hands-on with a mission going forward. And they've already helped so much. Kaylee's gotten eight different people to take tags from the angel tree. Uh, and shout out to our sponsor, Christian at Keats Barbershop, who will be the official drop-off location for us. He's also gotten a couple people to take tags. Him and his wife, Hannah, are going to take some tags. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, we've got a great support system over here of people and uh, that are involved with this, including every single person that donates. We just hit the, we just crossed 2,000 with the GoFundMe itself as well. And uh, I'll put this out there now because I don't know how accurate of a number that, you know, I know everybody like looks forward to seeing that total and stuff. I'll do my best to be able to have an estimate. So what's going to be different about the way that we're doing it now with people being to in, be, being able to individually take tags, they're doing the shopping on their own. They're dropping the gifts off on their own. I'm not like they're, they're not, I'm not going to say, Hey, can you give me the receipt or anything like that? I, I don't need to know how much they're spending on these things. So could be kind of tough to get exactly an idea on how much we are helping raise for the Salvation Army. Um, but I, we will be able to know the amount of people for sure that are impacted mm-hmm. by this. So we have the GoFundMe and then kind of in a separate thing at this point, uh, doing the stuff with, with Keats Barbershop and Kaylee and the Salvation Army stuff. But listen, either way, it's it's not about that. Like We're not looking at that raw number just to be able to know how much money we're raising or anything like that the goal is to help as many people as possible end of the day. That's what we're going to be able to do with the way that we're doing this now. So Mm -hmm. no qualms about doing it this way at all. Just letting you guys know, you might not see the best estimates in terms of how much money we actually were able to raise in total this year for Christmas. Um, But anybody that does donate at least $10, so whether that's the people that are taking tags or you guys through the GoFundMe is going to be eligible to win some prizes. As of today, the time of recording this, that includes a Minka Fitzpatrick autographed jersey, an Eric Carlson jersey. That one's not autographed. The Minka Fitzpatrick one is the only one that's autographed, by the way. I'll throw that out there. Joey Porter Jr. jersey, and then also a set of Penguins tickets, Game TBD. Um, but yeah, that's it for that. Link is in the description. Go check that out. If you can donate, great. Please do so. If not, share it. You never know whose eyes and ears you're going to be able to get on that thing. Also, shout out to our friend Haley Wagner, Everything Custom Designs. She's got her Etsy and Facebook in the description of this thing as well. Get some custom pajamas like Tyler and I had every uh, holiday season. A little bit different timing. I got mine every year at Thanksgiving. He got his right around Christmas. Uh, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, maybe a stocking. I don't know, maybe an apron for Thanksgiving. She does a lot of custom stuff, so go check her out. Just not uh, not these bad boys. You can't get any hats from her as of the time of recording this, at least. You know, if you guys go down, go, come back in like a year and listen to this, and she has a hat-making machine, then this might be a lie. But as of the time of recording this, that is absolutely the truth. 
no hats from everything custom designs. So other than that, that'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in to another round the 412 Penguin show for Tyler, for myself. Go check out another video popping up on the screen right now, and we'll see you next time.